Well, as I looked at the topic for today's sermon, it read, Unstoppable in Trouble. And I thought that was an unfortunate way of phrasing what today's sermon would be on. Um, but we are going to look at troubled times and how God's work is still unstoppable in those times and actually having very little to do with us. Hardship, suffering, despair, loss of hope, not seeing a way through at times. These are all things that we are familiar with and would, let's be honest, not or rather not have. A word that comes to mind that for me describes the last six months is loss. Loss of freedom, loss of security, that there may be a treatment if we get ill, loss of um, people, loss of certainty of how we're going to do things going forward and will we be in lockdown, won't we be in lockdown, will we be quarantined, um, and all of these different things. Um, but I guess for me, the loss of loved ones has been one of the most difficult things that I've had to walk with people through in this time. And yet, as I've seen people turn towards God in this time, and many, many people have turned to God in this time, and he has begun to lead our ways, then we can also see where God's work is unstoppable. It's when we get out of the way and we hand it over to him to do what he needs to do in our circumstances and through our troubles. And I've seen you in this time bring the love of Jesus to people, no matter what you are going through yourselves. And you may or may not realize it, but other people have noticed. Now, Paul was not a stranger to suffering. In fact, I think he had a great skill of looking for it and bringing it upon himself. He was not one to shy away from confrontation or calling out what was wrong. A little context uh, for how Paul and Silas ended up in prison. Well, Paul had by this stage got to Macedonia with Silas, and he was doing what he's called to do, preaching the gospel, bringing people to salvation, casting out demons. And there was this one particular woman who day after day had been annoying him. In verse 16, it says, a slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future, so a fortune teller, was taunting him each day. And he got so annoyed that he cast out the demon. And the problem was that she then had no value to her master, where he got lots of money from um, her skill. Um, she could no longer do that. And it basically went to court. And um, Paul and Silas were beaten and thrown into prison. Now, I don't know what they felt as they sat there. I wonder if Paul was kicking himself for casting out that spirit. I wonder if he felt, if only we hadn't have come to Macedonia, or if only we had done this. Don't we all do that? The what-if scenarios or the should-have, would-have, could-have scenarios. None of them really getting us anywhere, but just more frustrated and more upset. Have you ever cried out, where are you, God, in the midst of these dark times? Our tendency in life is, in times of trouble is to focus on the darkness, um, the desolation, and basically it shrinks us it drains us of energy, it brings us down, and it drives us into spirals of negative thoughts. And that takes us captive. So how do we get out of that place? 
Well, in verse 25, it says, About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And I think in times of trouble, we always want to go into a fix-it mode. Uh, sometimes I first have to begin with the pity mode and then get to the fix-it uh, mode. But actually, it's, it's not always that I will turn it away. And if I do turn to God, I'll turn to God to ask him to fix it. But I won't be there singing pray, pray, prayers, saying prayers and singing praises and hymns of worship. But here's what they did. They turned to the Lord. And that, in, that enabled an unstoppable work of God to happen in their lives and in the lives of the people around them. Now, I'm not suggesting this is easy. I think sometimes it's the hardest thing when it's all falling apart around you to turn to God and praise him. But I think if we try and may have done that at times, we're astounded by what he can do. So we need to get that point of declaring who God is. He is mighty. He is provider. He is healer. He is the one who reigns above it all. There's so many things in the Bible that we can use, and we just declare it over ourselves and our family and the situation. And if you're not in a place to do that, get someone to pray with you. It makes a difference if you just get on the phone and someone prays with you uh, rather than for you. Of course, get them to pray for you too, um, but it does make a difference. We help each other through. But when they were doing that, the work of God began. So what happened first? It said in that same verse, the other prisoners were listening. So when we pray, when we praise, the peace falls on us and the people around us. I know uh, my dad was a great uh, man of God, and on his 65th birthday, he had a massive stem cell stroke and he was not expected to live. And I got a phone call to say they would keep him alive if I could get back to South Africa to say goodbye. And I want to tell you that was the longest 11 hours of my life as I sat on that flight alone. And he miraculously woke up 20 minutes before I got to the hospital. And, um, and he did live for a further 10 years. Um, however, there were days and weeks of what I can only describe as a roller coaster. And they were really, really difficult and painful times. And I don't remember much about those first few days. I remember the excruciating pain and fear I felt. I mean, I was glad he was alive, but then as, as if you've ever known anyone who's gone, had a stroke, there's the ups and the downs. There was always the fear he might still die. He could have had another massive stroke. And what did life look like now for us, for my mum, um, what was it going to look like going forward? And all, so really what I remember is a load of stress. Um, but what I do also remember is that we prayed a lot. Uh, we were um, a faithful family. We were actually really deeply content if the Lord took him to be with him. And my dad uh, was happy uh, for that time when it would come. That brought some comfort. But to be honest, emotionally and physically, I was a mess. And on that Sunday, um, a couple of days later, we went to church, and uh, the pastor said uh, in his sermon, I've been uh, with this family all week, day in and day out. And all I can say in all that pain is there was just incredible peace among them. And you see, I, it struck me, and it has stuck with me all these years, is that God did bring that peace. And I wasn't particularly feeling like it or planning for it, 
Um, but actually people around could see something different in the way we were dealing with it as a family. Because in that point, there was nothing else to do, I can tell you, but rely on God. And we still had a roller coaster of uh, 10 years after that, so I don't want to say that troubles go. And, um, and now he's gone to be with the Lord, and I'm sure he's in a much better place. But turning to God, giving him the glory, declaring that he is reigning over the situation and ha- is in control, does unleash his power. And so if we look at Paul and Silas, in that place of worship, We act rather than react, and we act within the ways of God. So in this context, there were earthquakes, there were prison doors flying open. And I can tell you, if I was in prison, unjustly um, imprisoned, my reaction would be to run for it now. And yet they all stayed. Now, I don't think that was a strategy. I don't think Paul was telling them, you just sit there, don't move, God's going to have us. doesn't say that in the Bible, does it? It was just the Holy Spirit holding them safe, still in that place of worship. And then when we act in God's ways, then we watch him work through those circumstances, through those troubles. And we actually become a part of what he's doing without even realizing it. It's like this unstoppable chain reaction of unexpected events that God is in control of. So what happened to Paul and Silas? Well, the jailer, desperate when he saw that the prison doors were open, knew that the consequences that come, that his life would be the cost for prisoners escaping. And yet Paul stops him. And he can't believe that there is this behavior that's not normal. They've all remained. And it wasn't only Paul and Silas. They all remained. That speaks to the jailer not acting as they should have. If your God can do that and hold you so peaceful, then I want him too. And he says, what do I do to be saved? And then his actions change, don't they? From having to contain them and imprison them and treat them like a prisoner, he takes them home and he cares for them. Well, that's not the right behavior, is it? I'm sure if his superiors knew, he'd be out of a job. And yet stirred by the Spirit, and allowing God to work. Unstoppable change comes to him and to his family as they're baptized. And they're just the cherry on the top, the next on the top, the next day the magistrates send a message, set them free. On paper, none of that should have happened. Now I'm not saying that our times of trouble and suffering are easy. In fact, they're not. And I'm not saying that God will always um, set you free from prison and give you a get-out-of-jail card. Sometimes there's unexplainable and what seems to us more painful outcomes. And so I'm not saying that this suffering is neatly packed into a box when we turn to the Lord and worship him. I'm not saying we'll have uh, what we want as the ending we predict is the right ending. And sometimes we won't make, make sense of what has happened. At other times, we will see like Paul could turn back and see what God had done through his troubles in prison. 
Charles Hudson Taylor was a missionary in China in the 1800s. And he has a legacy of a society that he began there, a mission society, that was responsible for bringing 800 missionaries to the country. They began 125 schools. They direct, directly resulted in 18,000 Christians coming to faith, or people coming to faith. Um, and yet, if you go and read his biography, he saw very little of that in his lifetime. But he began an unstoppable work of God, and he suffered hardship after hardship, um, shipwrecks, typhoons, deaths of children, you, you name it. Um, in fact, the historian Ruth Tucker says this about his life. No other missionary in the 19th century since the Apostle Paul has had a wider vision and has carried out a more systemized plan of evangelizing a broad geographical area other than Hudson Taylor. God's unstoppable work, even though he had so many hardships. And so God's unstoppable work doesn't mean the hardship ends, but it does mean that he can use it. Romans 8.28 says this, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. That's you and me. No matter what we're going through, no matter what the troubles are, he is there, he is working, and he does have it. And so if you're facing those times now, or you're facing these times in the future, then turn to him, worship him, declare over your situation who he is, and watch the unstoppable work of God. Amen.